Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Sarah Ares of Deptford, New Jersey. Sarah will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Pat Dixon, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at SVU Season 15, Episode 15, Comic Perversion. Joining me to do that is my true crime author, wife, and host of the podcast Crime Writers On, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing tonight? I'm. Do- you sound like you're warming up the crowd. Well, you know, I, I, I was going to make like a rape whistle joke because of this episode, but I'm like, you haven't given the disclaimer yet, so I feel weird about that. So we'll, we'll keep our trigger warning in yeah, our pocket just, just for now. The- <laughs> exactly. And rounding out our panel is our very special guest from the New York City Crime Report, Pat Dixon. Hello, Pat. Hey. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> How are you, Kevin? Good. You've been doing your podcast now for about six years. And yep, that's es- right. essentially, you look at uh, the newspapers and the Big Apple and look at the crime pages and talk about the unusual and sometimes funny cases that are there. What wow. was the inspiration? Well, I mean, I started talking about news stories that I was reading in the New York Post and the Daily News, and I would see people out and you know have these talk conversations. Nobody knew what I was talking about. Nobody had heard of uh, Maxim Gelman, the spree killer, and stuff like that, even though he created quite a sensation here. So I thought maybe this was something that was kind of underserved as a topic, and maybe I could bring something out in it. Yeah, it actually is underserved. I have to say, like, the crime pages, the police log is something that I think people still should actually look at because it's where some of the best stuff is, like in terms of local reporting, right? I think so. I think that the crime news is always the most uh, interesting. And really, it's the kind of stuff that people can laugh at together at work privately, but they don't feel as comfortable sometimes laughing at it in a group. So it's a good thing for a (laughs) podcast, you know, because people usually when they listen to podcasts, they have their headphones on. It's a dirty little secret. (laughs) Well, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, with probably the exception of London, New York has like the most robust tabloid infrastructure in the world. And so if they get a really good crime story, or at least one that makes like for a great pun in a headline, they'll just go for it, right? You said a mouthful. Uh, I think we must be the capital for stand-up comedy and the capital for tabloid crime reporting. And the Post and the Daily News, it's kind of what it's down to now, but they don't get any better than that. I mean, the Post uh, 
if you recall the classic headline, headless body and topless bars. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's worked and, its uh, way into some of our artwork, I would imagine, actually. <laughs> yeah, what a great high point. And, you know, really, the, there's probably a reason for that. I think that a lot of unusual crime happens. You know, people talk about crime statistics coming down, but that's just all the boring stuff, you know, uh, the regular shootings out in the outer boroughs and iPhone snatchings and whatnot. Really good, interesting crime still happens here all the time, and that'll never stop. And there's always plenty to talk about that people seem shocked to know, even now. You know, when you go back uh, years and years to the original Law & Order episodes, there was you know, sort of this real, the, the pre-gentrified New York City. The, the episodes are really about gritty New York crimes, certainly crimes that people from New York could identify with. They knew because there were local stories. And it had sort of that Gotham gestalt to it. Come years and years later, and we have SVU, uh, do you still think that, like, the new SVU episodes kind of capture that New York crime scene the way the original Law & Order stuff does? Well, I don't think they can because, really, politically, the country has changed so much in terms of, like, socially what we want to see from our detectives, you know, what we want them to be. You know, I interviewed the number one cop. Well, I say the number one cop. That's a silly way of putting it. He was the most decorated New York detective, NYPD detective of all time. His name was Ralph Friedman. He had four kills, I mean, and, and eight shootings in, in his 14-year career, and he became the most decorated in that short amount of time. This was in the 70s in the 41st Precinct in Fort Apache, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, just talking to this guy was like a, you know, a, a real treat and an honor, but a cop like that today, he would be sued and he would be sued probably by some, you know, crime victim, you know, for being too insensitive to their needs or something like that. Or or maybe by a, a perpetrator of a crime for uh, excessive force or something like that. All his kills were confirmed to be, you know, necessary and, and, and uh, done, you know, in the, in the line of duty. But he said crime was so constant. It was a different kind of officer back then. And now I know that when we talk about the show itself, it doesn't go quite that far, but we're always moving in that ever more politically correct direction. Well, politically correct, I mean, I don't think a show would be interesting if every week it was like stop and frisk searches lead to suspect maybe somebody did something, maybe they didn't things. And I think the you only mean no conflict. Well, not yeah. not no conflict, but also like the conflict being based in things in policy. You know what I mean? I think that SVU really is leaning on high profile cases now because. Those are stories that you can talk about at the water cooler in a way you can't talk about. For the most part, crime in New York now, I do agree with Pat that the really interesting stuff is happening like in the papers, you know, the street crime. that Inside you don't even the, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that would never rise to the level of national news, would never rise to the level of an SVU episode for sure. Pat, of all of the Law & Order franchises, do you have a favorite detective team? Favorite Law & Order detective team. Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I guess if you were to... Uh, uh, who's the guy who gave up his eyes? I can never remember it. Uh, when he died, he, he left his eyes for science. It was uh, Max Grevy. It was the name of the detective. And he was paired oh. with uh, Mike Logan in season one. I, oh, okay. I, I, I feel like I'm presenting a bad view of myself as far as being a Law & Order fan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, let's go with those guys. They sound great. 
How about a favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Man, you're really stumping me. Uh, <laughs> these shows were only on for 30 years or so, right? So, yeah, just, uh, you know, yeah. you might have missed them. <laughs> I, I can't, I, I really couldn't say. No worries. What about you? Uh, well, we don't have to answer because it's our f- you know show. what, Kevin? No, I'm you, know, Kevin you actually, I have answered this question many times. I've given different hmm. iterations of my response. What is your favorite Law and Order detective team? Um, uh, the guy and the girl. All right. What is your favorite Law and Order prosecutorial team? Uh, the guy and the girl. There was never a guy and a girl detective. I know. Team. No, I there was. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Oh, Danny that. and Stabler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not a real detective team. Uh, I feel so much better now. Yeah, you weren't uh, pinned into a corner. <laughs> <laughs> Now let's look at the first half of this episode. Just a reminder, we're going to be talking about fictional detectives investigating a fictional sex crime against fictional people. And if you find that especially heinous, you might want to try another one of our episodes. (laughs) Controversial comedian Josh Galloway is heckled by co-ed Renee for doing rape jokes in his set. Galloway responds it would be funny if she got gang raped. And in one of those Law & Order coincidences... Renee is attacked by two guys from the show. Now, Benson wants to go after Galloway for inciting the attack, but Barbara says there's no case. What about Galloway? Galloway who? Josh Galloway, the comics. Now, hold up. This guy assaulted Renee, too? No, but he did verbally assault her. He incited those boys. He made some joke about how it would be funny if she were gang raped. You have heard of free speech, right? I cannot charge a guy with bad joke telling. The detectives attend Galloway's next show only to be lambasted by the comedian for targeting his free speech rights. And as they leave, they're followed by Carly, who says the night before she got drunk, went back to Galloway's hotel room, and woke up with him knocking on the wrong door. The cops learn Galloway sent Carly away with a gift bag. They track down another fan in another city who also got a gift bag, a diamond watch, and a non-disclosure agreement. They link the swag bag items together to establish a criminal pattern. Barbara reluctantly agrees to the arrest. And as he's taken into custody in front of the paparazzi, Galloway proclaims himself a champion of the First Amendment being railroaded by a politically correct police force. All right, let's start, Patrick, with the idea that we're going to forget that this guy is actually a rapist. (laughs) Um, Are his jokes really responsible for the attack, and should he be held accountable for what these drunken yahoos did after his his set well i mean as a comedian for 21 years now i'm going to say christ no they should not be held responsible it's funny it gets reduced when you come back with uh, describing what happens in the show that he just came out and said you should be gang raped but what happened is he tells a little joke you know about about rape Um, you know rape isn't funny as you saw you know but you know what is funny gang rape and rule of threes. I'm sorry, it was a good joke. Yeah. It was a good joke. It was yeah. solid. I mean, it wasn't like a great joke, but it was a solid joke, as jokes go. The killed in the room. <laughs> exactly. Killed in the room, and uh, it was not just like somebody heckling him. We have a band of women who have come out specifically to heckle him, wearing matching T-shirts. Yeah. No, seriously. There are some upsides to getting raped. Rape is no joke. Rape is no joke. Oh, right, guys? I mean, if you are... It's uh, really deplorable, you know, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, to come out just to wreck somebody's show wearing matching T-shirts in order to do it. And, and keep in mind, this time, he hasn't even been accused of rape. 
I would say no. I would say his jokes are not responsible. I will say, you know, the, the show, just as a side, happens in the Comic Strip Live, a club that I've performed at many times. So it's really fun to see this happening on the home turf. Yeah, where is this college campus that the student union is actually... What, is well, it that in Soho? Where is that? It where wasn't is Hudson. Yeah. It wasn't Hudson. It was <laughs> For once. I think it may be, maybe <laughs> something in like the NYU sort of neighbor. I don't know. That doesn't matter. The what Comic ma- Strip Live is on the Upper East Side. It's 82nd and 2nd. Yeah, there, what are the, there are no colleges. I can't there's no colleges up. It's not Cooper Union. It's not, No, there's nothing up there. Oh, it's yeah, TSU, to, Total Slut University. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I will <laughs> exactly. say that... Um, as protest groups go on college campuses against sexual assault, which, by the way, in a real world scenario, like good for those kids who were like protested. The place to protest it is outside. It really is. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can come in, you can do your thing. But like this guy's allegedly like really famous right at this point mm-hmm. in the episode. He's good, well. he's good at his job. <laughs> like everybody who's ever seen an episode of even Seinfeld knows the place to not heckle a comedian who is really good at his job is actually in the space where he's doing his job. Especially catch him at the deli when he's not expecting it. You I have know? to say the thing that I, I really felt like he missed out on was like the dumbness of the name of this group star students against rape. I mean, come on. It was bad. It was the whole thing about it was just, I am the one who's constantly raising my feminist tackles on this show, as you know. Mm-hmm. I really felt like I wanted to give these girls a talking to. And I know that does not sound like the right thing to say, but that's how I felt. I'm like, you guys are doing that. You're going about this all wrong. You're going about it wrong. I could tell immediately when I saw that girl with blonde hair and the glasses, like short blonde hair glasses, I was like, She's going to not like this. She's going to have a problem. <laughs> they had, they, they were, the casting call was for girl who looks like an annoying college feminist. <laughs> Which, by the way, yes. the word feminist is used again as a pejorative in this episode. Like he talked about, like statistics being inaccurate. It's actually not what the word feminist means, and like the show lets that go. In a way that I just didn't really appreciate, but whatever. Go ahead, Kevin. Well, they're not trying to solve all the world's problems in this <laughs> one. I'm just, I'm, I'll just point that out. Now we have seen the girl who got pulled up on stage, Renee. We have seen her before in a previous season. She was attacked during a rape cover-up at a college that surprisingly wasn't Hudson University. I know right? Hudson's conspicuously absent. We are Hudson, where the bad guys go to school. So, Rebecca, you like like seeing when they pull somebody from a different episode different season make a comeback i don't know i don't think renee was memorable enough to, to, to bring back it's not like the elizabeth marvel character or like when they bring back like a lawyer who used to be on the wire that you mm-hmm. see over and over again i don't know i mean the only time i think they should bring a victim back is when it's like a serial killer slash rapist whatever case I, I i'm not sure that that character was brought back for a good enough reason for it to have been a returning character in this episode Pat Galloway tells the cops, hey, come to my show. I basically promise that I won't heckle you. (laughs) Did did you think that was like, should anybody have thought that was a good idea to begin with? I mean, this is a guy who when the cops show up, he's naked uh, or wearing a robe and then like gets out of the robe, basically takes off all his clothes and treats the cops as if they're uh, a couple of jackasses, which they may be. But, uh, yeah, he's filled with a lot of ego, and so he thinks, oh, this will be great. Rape is not funny. Gang rape is funny. Rule of threes, you get it? No. No, of course not. You know, he just is uh, always challenging authority, you know, and uh, it's funny to me the way they depict comedians that way, having just no sense of boundaries, no sense of decency. (laughs) I mean, like I said, germ of truth and all that stuff, 
And, uh, you know, Jonathan Silverman does uh, an amazing job playing this comic to the hilt. That's what I wanted you know? to ask is, you know, sometimes an actor has to play an athlete, and if they can't throw a ball and not look like a girl, then it sort of like, you know, shows okay, over. Okay, now that was sexist. That wa- Okay, I'll take it. That was sexist. <laughs> Being a comic, though, you can you can hear, hear all your, the lines in the script, but there is a performance that you have to come off as being believable as that. Pat, does he do it? Basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, he does it really well for TV, I would say. He reminds me of a voice Greg Giraldo used to do when Greg Giraldo was pretending to be that kind of guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody that he would, somebody that he would mock, you know, who would talk like that and everything. Yeah. Uh, just kind of this ridiculous cadence. You know, it was described by the lead detective there as, uh, oh, one of those rape joke comics. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. As if that's a a whole (laughs) subgenre. One of those rape joke comics. Well, you know, but there is a genre of, like, the comics who do the college tour. Like, there's Mm -hmm. that level where you're, like, famous enough that you can do the college tour, but you're not, like, getting on at midnight every night. So you're like free to do the college tour kind of thing or whatever, like the echelon is. You were playing to a, a, when a I certain was in, age group. Yeah, when it, I yeah. was in college, it was Pauly Shore who came to our school, like two of the three years that I was there and did jokes just like this, like the sort of inane, hey guys, you're here to get laid kind of jokes Ooh. that was sort of like for that crowd. But can we just talk for a second about the first row of that show of Amaro, Benson, Rollins, Cassidy, and Finn, a.k.a. Ice-T, sitting there competing for the most humorless award, like Emmy <laughs> category. Yeah. You know, it was sort of like, granted, he started heckling them, but that, that set was not funny because it was all about, it was just like, oh, look, those are cops. Like, if I was in the audience, I'd be like, that's not funny. Like, it was objectively, it was not funny. But they definitely didn't even come on. They didn't even try. They didn't even try to roll with it for a minute there. Oh no, no, and and you know she just barely whispers to her date or whatever one thing, and that's all he needs to like totally uh, key in on her. But they were not having fun, and you hit the nail on the head. They seem to be having a competition. <laughs> uh, like it was great as they walked out, as they walked out almost immediately, just aghast. Which again. You guys are the investigators of the worst crimes there are. <laughs> You're professional this, rape cops. <laughs> and yeah, and you storm out at the mention of rape. You know, oh, this is disgusting. And so they they leave, and her date goes. He's baiting you, Liv. Come on. He was baiting you. I think it's Ice T. He goes masturbating. Masturbating. Which which doesn't even make any sense at all, right? <laughs> no, it made no sense. <laughs> he just saw an opening. He just saw. An, I kind of felt like Ice T was pun. like, yeah. He was like, oh, baiting. I know I know a word that has that in it. That's sort of how it <laughs> but here's the question I had for that group of cops was like, did they pay the cover? Because that's like, that wasn't cheap to walk that's out. Right, it's two drinks. Yeah, <laughs> two drink minimum there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, we forgot to introduce him before. We'll introduce him now. It's our very special guest star. Mr. Jonathan Silverman. Yay! <laughs> So, of course, we know Jonathan is famous for his role at Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, and this. And this. And also, <laughs> i just point out, he was in the sixth Beethoven movie, the one about Beethoven the dog. He was in <sighs> Beethoven's Big Break and Beethoven's Treasure Tale. Are you sure that qualifies him for a very special guest star status, not, hey, is that guy's status? Oh, I don't know. I 
Uh, it's yeah. got an NBC series uh, for several years called The Single Guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. We need to talk to people more in the New York comedy scene here. We're like a tune with these things. Yes. Yeah, did he play a rake? <laughs> tune with shows from the <laughs> early 90s. Failed, uh, failed yeah, sitcom from the 90s. Yeah. The well, Single Guy was just a young rapist Christy on the Swanson scene. Christy Swanson's Grapevine yes, yes, yes. on CBS. <laughs> I bet you know all about those shows. Sure, yeah. <laughs> now, we do have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's the girl. We finally get to point out Elizabeth Marvel. Again. Who plays the toughest nails defense attorney, Rita Calhoun. Josh Galloway is a social critic and satirist. His material is controversial, provocative, and protected by free speech. And she has had some great supporting roles as of late. She's in Homeland, House of Cards. Heather Dunbar. And she was on Original Recipe and Criminal Intent Law and Order. She's, I mean, I think she she's great. She definitely comes off as like the kind of attorney who can win this case. She's an MVP. She's the attorney you want to hire if you definitely rape that college girl <laughs> and are using a First Amendment defense. How would you Google that? I definitely raped her. I, I raped a college girl, but I'm using a First Amendment defense. Who should I hire for my lawyer? Elizabeth Marvel, a.k.a. Heather Dunbar, a.k.a. What's her character's Rita name? Rita Calhoun. Rita Calhoun. I don't... I the, the Law and Order names, very hard to remember, but the other characters she's played... Not so much. She's great. She's great. I think they, they do have an awful lot of like uh, old time presidential and statesmen's names. She's like John Calhoun. Yeah, there's Calhoun. There's Van Buren. Yeah. There's Buchanan. You know, just uh, I think they've kind of given up going through the phone book. They're using like one of their kids' names. like civics books to pick <laughs> yeah, out names. Exactly. <laughs> now, Rebecca, you saw somebody else who was a, uh, a, a famous face. Yeah, really great. Hey, it's that. Lady, and I couldn't believe that you didn't know who it was, but then I remembered um, you are not I had a, a thing. attuned at all. They called a penis. Is that yeah, what I have yes. things the penis. I didn't, I didn't watch soap operas. But this particular soap opera actress transcends the soap opera world. It is Victoria Rowell uh-huh. plays the judge in this episode. Mr. Barber, I'm denying your request for a mistrial. I think you have bigger problems in this video. Pat, do you know who that is? No. Yeah, okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're with me. Pat, I wonder as I'm watching this about Barba, does he even like working at SVU? <laughs> he likes it done his way, that's for sure, doesn't he? I love the character, you know, he's always naysaying, you know, I was thinking like every step along the way, he's like, this is nothing, what are you doing, you know, uh, it's great. That's actually reassuring to me, you know, that there's somebody who who is still putting on the brakes a little bit. They want to go after his work records. They want to go, I mean, and he's like, no, you don't have anything yet. A comic who makes rape jokes is not the same thing as a rapist. It wasn't a monologue. It was a confession. Maybe to you. To him, it was his act. If we go after him based on his stand-up routine, he is going to claim he's being persecuted for free speech. He may not be entirely wrong. He even champions freedom of speech, like, right away in the, yeah. in the show. So. He's the one who says, you ever heard of the First Amendment? Yeah, I think he likes working there maybe as much as like one should, but I think he's just sick of working with Olivia Benson. <laughs> Seems to be a little tension there, absolutely. Sick of her and wants to get in her pants at the same time. That's my theory. <laughs> that kind of describes our relationship, doesn't uh, it? <laughs> except for the wanting to get in your pants part, yeah. Well, I guess that's one. <laughs> so the thing that ultimately does Galloway in are his, uh, sorry about the sodomy bags. Uh, that he passes out because I guess Hallmark doesn't make that card. <laughs> what, were those, should, what were those gift cards for exactly? I don't know. He's giving out like Sears gift cards or something in his <laughs> gift bags that he yeah. buys by the dozen. The walk-in clinic, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't know. Hey. I mean, walk away a little door prize. I mean. At least they get something, right? Exactly. Besides herpes. Yeah, and, you know, being raped, which is not funny, obviously. But, well, yeah. but if you get gang raped, you, know, <laughs> you know, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, what is it, the rule of three? The rule of three. Exactly. I do like when they finally arrest him, Galloway turns to Ice-T, calls him Jay-Z. Oh. I love the look on his face. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like, if only, right? Here I am Here I am on SVU. Jay-Z's got Beyonce and Rockefeller. What have I got? Just because our last names are letters. Hey, listen, I follow yeah. at Final Level on Twitter, and if he hears happens to hear that joke, I just want him to know it was said with love. I'm a little bit Jay-Z. afraid of Ice-T. I'm not going to lie. I wish you would have said, Jay-Z, Baton. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now take a look at the second half of the episode. Barbara can't introduce evidence of Galloway's past bad deeds, so Carly is the only witness. On cross, Calhoun rips her as a drunken, obsessed fan looking for a payout. In other words, it's the Bill Cosby defense. Galloway finds a video of Carly drunk and flashing him at the show, further undercutting her reliability. Galloway himself is a superior witness, making the jury laugh along to his testimony and making the case that he's on trial for his words and thoughts. All I know is that night she came after me. Has that ever happened to you before? I'm a celebrity. Some women find that attractive. Maybe most do. Plus, I'm very funny. That is a real one-two punch, and you're good-looking. Ah, thanks, buddy. You are not so bad yourself, but I don't swing that way. No? So you only have anal sex with women? Objection. With his case tanking, Barba is furious at Benson for pursuing this case in the first place. Fearing that he'll walk, Renee sets up a trap for Galloway. While wearing glasses with a hidden camera in them, <laughs> she tapes the comedian trying to rape her in his hotel room. Barbara uses the video to make a deal, putting Galloway on the sex registry. Carly is thrilled that she can begin pursuing that civil case against the comedian. And Barbara dresses down Benson, telling her to never bring him a case like that again. Okay, so Carly is a very unreliable witness and an imperfect victim. As an audience, Pat, do you think we are supposed to be rooting for her? I don't think we are. I think we're supposed to be more rooting against the comic. The damage is done with her as it is, you know. She uh, caught her unexpected uh, backdoor visitor, and uh, there's nothing she could do about that now. I'd like to point out at this time that comedians who do rape people, and I can think of only two that are sort of like known for it, Bill Cosby (laughs) and uh, Vince Champ. Have you ever heard of Vince Champ? No. No. Vince Champ is a convicted comedian rapist. And he had a very clean act, as does Cosby, you know. They, they don't have these kind of like, yeah, we're going to come out and rape you. Oh, that's ironic, acts, you right? Know? Well, you would think, right? But at the same time, it doesn't make any sense for somebody who's actually a rapist to go, I'm a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> Raping's great. It's funny. Uh, so the, the way they painted the guy here is a little inaccurate in terms of somebody who, who might actually rape somebody. Vince Champ, by the way, sentenced to like, I think he was sentenced to like 15 years for rape. And um, I remember when he got his sentence, the judge told him, you know, you're sentenced to to 15 years and do you have anything to say? And he said, uh, yeah, give me a light at 12. Oh. (laughs) He said like, it's a good rule of threes, right? 15 is divided by... So here's the thing. So 
Carly uh, is not sympathetic initially, right? Right. But then I think that as an audience, we're supposed to think, you know what? Even super shitty mean girls like can get raped and we feel bad for them. And then through the episode, we see Carly and Renee kind of bond and sort of get together. And then Renee does her little stupid dumbass like what the hell were you thinking girl sting operation and then you actually do feel a little bit bad for carly so this is what happened to her mm-hmm. and then she ruins it at the end by being like can i do the civil suit now this is one of those ones where i'm like svu get your fucking act together when it comes to like portraying victims i mean i i do think it's fine to portray victims as ambiguous because yeah really crappy people also are victims of crimes right right but I think when you're trying to tell like a larger like moral story to do that, I just think that it sort of like undercuts whatever it is that they're trying to do with like the whole rape culture thing. I don't know. Go one way or go the other way. I don't think they do a good job of ambiguous on this show. I just don't. I, I, I was stunned with how quickly the detectives bit on the suggestion that they should go after him for inciting the guys in the original to, because it's Renee, I guess, isn't it, who comes yeah. forward yeah. and says, you know what, they wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for this comedian. I want you to go after him because they incite, he incited them to do it. And they're like, okay, you know what, great idea. No, just arrest <laughs> the two guys, the ones who literally attacked her. Yeah, yeah. What I, gave you, I, I gave you their names. Yes. They live which, in they, which they didn't even arrest. She didn't even arrest right. them. I think they, they just brought him into question. They want this guy who incited them. Right. But they actually committed a legit crime. Like yeah. actually mugging and like holding her. I don't know. It, the whole thing yes. was very crazy. They could have gotten them for unlawful imprisonment, forcible touching. Yes. Uh, all that stuff's illegal. You Oh, we were just screwing around. You know, <laughs> he literally reads the crime logs. Yeah, whistle, yeah. rape whistle theft. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, and this is why I was making the joke earlier, and I shouldn't, because I know that it's a thing. But the fact that she literally went to blow her whistle, I just thought it was like a weird, funny little comedic. I was wondering when she was going to pull it out. It was like. <laughs> Here she is, this victim, this activist. She's walking around the corner by herself in front of two guys. She should have the mace, like, already primed, right? She should be walking with another person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Now, Pat, how how much of uh, Galloway's argument do you think is true that the only reason they went after him in the first place was because of his words and his act? Zero. They'll go after anybody that a woman says rape them, so I don't think that it would have come out necessarily had he not invited the fucking police to his show (laughs) and then basically confessed he goes we got so hammered i don't know what happened is that rape and that wasn't funny that wasn't funny let me get a professional opinion is that rape that was the the part where i was like that's actually not funny either so you're both confessing and not doing your job at the same time he's like a really bad bond villain where he invites them in and like tells him the whole plan right he's like yeah yeah i'm pretty sure he was actually arrested because of her you know, swelling and bruising and signs of assault. I'm pretty sure that was the reason why Barba actually agreed to prosecute the case. You know, but true. However, you know, and in, in, in some kind of sense, they would not have even known about it had she reported it. Not right away. She didn't report it until they had seen him perform about it at a show. So it's it's this weird kind of meta level of like comedy, you know, where he is he really is like shooting himself in the foot and causing himself to be arrested and, and causing himself all this trouble. And at the same time, talking about how he's being harassed. They did go after him with a lot of gusto, though, I guess figuring it would be a high profile thing. Maybe that's what the boss is so mad about. 
Well, there is this awesome scene where Barbara, like, kicks somebody out of the room so he can have it out with Benson. He says this is about her ego. What did you just say? She just took over the squad. You want to take a big name down, show everyone there's no special treatment under Sergeant Benson's watch. You know that that's not me. You have had a really tough year. You're going through a lot. So which is it? I'm driven by my ego or my judgment is impaired? Actually, my judgment is impaired. I never should have let you convince me to take this case. Is Barba upset because it's a case he can't win, or is he upset because he thinks this is a misapplication of the law? Neither. Here's why he's upset. Barbara is upset because he is in love with Benson. And oh, because, no, Jesus I'm, I'm telling you, this is all going to come to bear later. And you're going to be like, oh, you were totally right about this. Because I've watched enough TV to know how this is going to go. The reason he's really upset is because he knows that she's pursuing things that are a result of the trauma that she's recently been through on the show and that she's overreacting. Earlier in the season. That, yes, yeah, right. and that she's also overreacting and that she's also trying to, like, plant her flag as the new like in charge of the division boss lady and he's basically saying to her listen a you're fucking this up you are fucking this up and b i'm in love with you and you are <laughs> fucking up our relationship he's not saying that when you bring me case like listen a girl can dream that that you're, is what he's i actually know you're reading saying. between the lines but, so i no, get it wait i wait. actually think this was one of the scenes where you know i am usually the one who sort of cries feminist which i know you hate when mm-hmm. i'm like hey that was sexist whatever this scene was not sexist this scene was him saying like you know better than to do this job this way and we've worked together well before and i went and he literally said i want to keep working with you i'm not going to get to keep working with you if you bring me cases like this this is about you it's not about the case and he's not wrong and it's not the it's not the fact that this guy's on trial for rape it's the way that they got him that's the problem so it's the misapplication of the law pat what about you do you think is barbara just mad because he's in a stinker of a case that he's probably going to lose or is he just still upset because he got talked into something that he knew he shouldn't have pursued I think that as a man, he thinks all this shit is kind of dumb. And that's going to be the way a man will will generally come off. Take the detective that she's working with, you know, the really good looking kind of like younger detective there, you know, who's so like, uh, I I guess. Yeah. The the uh, guy or the girl? The guy. Amaro. Oh, Amaro. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. The yeah, su- you know the one- The, the super one sexist one who's like, what does he have, daughters and a mother? God forbid somebody have daughters and also have a sense of humor like that guy. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't take that as sexist. I took that as more like, and it may be sexist, you know, but it's, but I, I think that is more usually interpreted as kind of like a defender of women kind of thing or like pointing out the injustices that women have to suffer. I'm kind of a social justice warrior type. And I think that, like, generally speaking, if a guy doesn't adopt that kind of point of view, which, you know, uh, Barbara hasn't. A lot of times people will say, oh, yeah, he's uh, he's part of the problem. That's a symptom of the patriarchy. You know, he doesn't see the rape as such a big issue. He's like, so, so what? You know, and, and it takes more to convince him when in, in reality, I, you know, and I, I agree with Rebecca, not about the being in love thing. That's nonsense. Uh, but um, no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> not, she's, it is, it's she's not even straight, is she? She plays. Yes. That's a lesbian character. No, she's isn't not. It? She's totally. Le- she was dating Cassidy character. in this episode. She they, doesn't. Yeah, but yeah, but then when he calls, she declines because she's starting to figure out. I don't really like men. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> yeah, you're reading too much. It is. <laughs> My God, there's so much extra contextual things going on here. I love it. Here. I love everything about that. This would be a great pop-up video episode. You could have all these different theories popping up on the screen. <laughs> 
So I'm wondering if a true sexual assault victim would go undercover wearing spy glasses. Nope. Trying to get... Nope. No? Next question. That's, that's it? <laughs> that was the most bullshittiest bullshit part of this episode. And the fact that he had just seen her in this universe, of course, the trial happens like four days after the crime, which we know is total bullshit. It happened like two years later. He had just seen her and like her disguise is literally a pair of glasses and mm-hmm. that was just the whole thing. And the fact that she also told Benson what she was going to do, and Benson was like, don't do that. And then she did. The whole thing was absurd. But then she got really good tape, so good for her, on the other hand. She right? framed it up pretty well, she considering did. they were- It was high def. She yeah, paid, I... must have paid like a pretty penny for those spy glasses. Yeah, yeah you got audio and everything. And it was just kind of good. an uncomfortable scene, like it kind, of, kind of explicit. It, it was. He was very rough. He was completely different than we'd seen him. Really, it goes to the predictability of this character that he was on trial for rape that day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. We're awaiting a verdict here. Uh, I need to unwind. I I really need to rape a chick tonight. Yeah. (laughs) Hardcore. (laughs) This trial is really cutting into my rape time. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The the fact that that would be the first thing that he goes to, he sees her in the bar and he's like, this seat's free. I, that 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 should be the opposite because he's got a great lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Marvel slash Calhoun like did like a blistering cross examination of the you know accuser, and then that night he goes out and like oh, it's not good. It's not. He's a bad client. Yeah, he's bad. <laughs> he's bad on trial too. I, I've never seen somebody offer so much additional context <laughs> and information about their philosophy of rape. You know, <laughs> sodomy. Ooh, bad word. Last time I checked, it's not illegal in the state of New York. You heard the Emmy's testimony. Carly suffered bruising, swelling, tearing. So did I. Funny thing about sex is. You could be having so much fun that you don't even notice what's going on until the next day. I bet you've been there, bruised that. Am I right? Order! You know what Order. I'm talking about. I'm it kind sorry. of felt like the jury was sort of with him at first. I mean, like, they find it so charming when he's like, which is another nonsensical thing now. I mean, there's a jury full of women and they're giggling at this, like, creep asshole, the, the worst, you know, scum, just the way he expresses himself and everything and, and uh, as he's talking. And then he loses them even. Yeah. You know, by saying like, hey, well, there's a certain thing about dominance, you know, that people don't want to... <laughs> don't use the word dominance Whoa. in your own defense in a rape trial. It's just a oh. pro tip. I thought he was better at reading the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rebecca, I'm stuffed. With what? Blue apron. Oh my God, Literally. We just finished. We literally just ate some like spaghetti bolognese. Like, it was amazing. 12 minutes ago that we made from Blue Apron. So for less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers delicious, delicious. quality food mm-hmm. from over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the country right to your door. Fun Al- to cook. Always taste fresh. A lot of fun to cook. Yeah, no kidding. Cook for your family or better yet, kick the kids out, give them a bowl of cereal, invite some friends over, cook for them, look like Julia Child. You know what some of the meals are? 
What? Coming up this month, we'll look for spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives, bell peppers, and mm-hmm. ricotta salata. I'm going to eat that. Sweet and sour salmon with bok choy, carrot, and ginger fried rice. I'm going to snarf that. Parmesan crusted chicken with creamy fettuccine and roasted broccoli. I'm going to eat the hell out of that. I think we ate that one already. <laughs> and baby broccoli and fontina paninis with hard-boiled egg and arugula salad. Hmm. Sounds pretty good. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash order. You will love how good it tastes and feels to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash order. Order. Blue Apron. Really, it's a better Better way way to to cook. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the headlines. Although not based on a crime, this episode takes its dramatic cues from two celebrity controversies. The first involved comedian Daniel Tosh. During an appearance at a Los Angeles nightclub in 2012, Tosh was heckled by a woman for making a joke about sexual assault. She told the performer, rape jokes are never funny. Tosh turned to the audience and said what would be funny was if the woman got raped by five men. After the incident created a stir on the internet, Tosh issued a public apology. The other controversy surrounded New York Yankees shortstop Derek Jeter. During his playing days, he was considered the city's most eligible bachelor. In 2011, the New York Post ran a story saying Jeter would send away his one-night stands from his Trump World Tower apartment by calling them a private car and giving them a gift bag. The bag contained baseball memorabilia, including an autographed ball from Jeter himself. The Post said Jeter was found out after giving a gift bag to a woman for the second time, not remembering they had hooked up once before. After years of not commenting, Jeter said in 2015 the story was totally false. Now, before we get to Tosh, Pat, I just want to know, did Mets fans enjoy this Jeter story as much as us Red Sox fans did? (laughs) I'm sure they did. What man would not enjoy that story? The idea that you lay so many women that you hand out gift bags... (laughs) Yeah. I've got a stash. <laughs> yeah, and, and that you have that kind of dough, too, you know, that you could be, oh, yeah, there's a gift card in there, there's some other stuff, you know, that you have merchandise. <laughs> I can't afford to give away my merchandise. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? That you had a cup in there, like the mug yeah, and everything. Totally. Yeah, I, this is quality stuff. I'll tell you, you say, like, Red Sox fans loved it as if it's a knock on Jeter. I completely disagree. I remember reading this story and thinking, like, good for him, right? To plan ahead. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Let's talk about the fact that he prepared for that, right? <laughs> like he's like this so is So you what... you actually believe the swag bag story. You think I it's totally real. I totally believe it and I love the way that it broke. And if I remember correctly, she wasn't mad about it. She thought it was sort of like, oh, this is funny. Like I'm getting a second one of these swag bags. Pat, do you believe the swag bag story? I'd like to, uh, <laughs> because I think it's not only a great tribute to his prowess, but it's also a great tribute to how tone deaf uh, a guy can be. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't think of any women who would really, I, I, I'm surprised to hear you say that, but the woman wasn't mad, but even getting one the first time. Yeah. You know? I, I think it's think a- of how much it would lower the value of a signed ball, too. <laughs> 
Uh, where exactly did you get this ball sign, Mr. Smith? What's the provenance? Oh, oh yeah, there's 100,000 of these out there. <laughs> well, let's talk about Daniel Tosh now. Uh, yes, let's. Comedians attack life's horrors head on. Sure right? they do. It takes the power away from the, the issue. It makes us understand our relationships to those kinds of things. Is there anything that should be off limits in comedy? Pat, what do you think? Um, no, I don't think so. I do think that comedians should learn to stay within the boundaries of their own skill as a comedian. And that's what so many people don't realize as they do stand-up comedy. That, like, yeah, you're not funny enough to say that, you know? <laughs> and, and it just has to be funny enough to make up for for saying it. You know, and I have a saying that, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, too soon, you know, and stuff like that. To me, if it's not too soon, it's too late. Right. Well, Tasha's comment came while he was being heckled. And like Michael Richards lost it while being heckled. Pat, you got to tell us, what what is it like in that moment when all of a sudden the audience is turning on you that can make a performer crack? Well, Michael Richards is not a very good stand-up. Uh, and he certainly was not at fighting weight, I'll say, at the time that he did that. <laughs> so comedians that are stars, you know, they can show up at a comedy club and make, you know, really a nice little amount of money to just be their famous selves, you know. Um, and then when they go on stage and, and what they're doing is not necessarily as, like, hilarious and, and they don't have the command of the crowd and everything that they would like, you know, an audience might kind of turn on them like that. So he was just out of his element. You know, as far as Michael Richards goes, he was not prepared for that. T Tosh, I thought, handled it very, very well. He certainly didn't say the kind of things that Richards said. To prevent the audience from turning on you, the main thing is you don't get angry. That's it. You just don't ever get mad. If you don't get mad, you're fine. You can't get mad at the audience. Richards genuinely got mad. He was really angry. And then, you know, you let the audience get to you. They'll never forgive you. And you've lost. You've lost one guy, but if you get angry, you lose everybody. That's right. Everybody, yeah. That's the end. You've done it. There's no recovering from it. If, there, if, 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 it, if you get mad, and I mean even for just a fleeting moment, I don't know why that is, but you really can't come back. It's like the show's over almost. Well, but, I, I think that the comedy set is kind of about like, it's about sort of trust, right? It's about like, I like you, you're taking me somewhere. No one's going to get in a car with someone that seems like they might have nefarious intentions, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you seem really, really mad, you're in a rage. Hey, kid, come come look at this puppy. Get in the car. <laughs> and <laughs> no a lot of times they don't understand exactly what what is making you so angry about that, you know? Because like, they go, oh, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. I didn't really catch it because a lot of times people are yelling things and saying things that the whole crowd doesn't catch. It's not mic'd and it's way more annoying than they realize, you know, to have to, like, try to do what you're doing and take that kind of disrespect and make the rest of the audience hear it at the same time. I mean, truth be told, comedy can be very fragile, you know? If there's a cough in the room, right, as you're sort of saying a punchline, even though they physiologically hear it, the cough can take out 35% of the laughter just by being something that was kind of happening at the same time, you know, and it's, oh, there's a lot to overcome. In the, <laughs> thank you. Stop it. In the best of circumstances, uh, <laughs> now I'm angry. <laughs> I, I just got to know, though, because you've been doing this a long time, do you have in your back pocket just that one comeback, just in case? Oh, I do, and uh, and I'll tell you what it is. Say, say somebody says a heckle. Do you need me to heckle, or can you just yeah, do it? Yeah, yeah, give me a heckle. Okay. Yeah. Podcast jokes are never funny. <laughs>
Catch me outside. How about that? Oh, <laughs> okay. I've heard you say that. Yeah. <laughs> it will kill. It will kill every time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Pat Dixon. Pat, where can our listeners follow you online and get all your stuff? Well, I'd love for people to listen to my podcast. They enjoy crime and crime comedy. Go to crimereport.nyc. It's uh, all the jokes that you need to make the, the headlines from the New York Post and the Daily News. All the funnier. So crimereport.nyc, they find everything there about how to get everything else. I the New York Post there. isn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, crimereport.nyc. And I know I'm obviously on Twitter and everything, so they can follow me from everywhere right there. Rebecca, Crime. how can our listeners follow you? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These RTR Stories. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a review on iTunes. It helps others discover this program just like you did. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com, sign up for our newsletter, and for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in Square Egg Studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.